All right, good morning. Welcome to Peoples. My name is Tyler. We're so glad that you're with us this morning. Happy Palm Sunday to each of you. Today we're going to be picking up and we're going to be continuing on in our series called Light and Love as we walk through the book of 1 John together. If you would, let's just take a second and pray and then we'll jump right into God's word. So Jesus, Lord, we love you and we bless you here. God, even now we just take a second to focus our minds and our hearts upon you. Jesus, you are creator. God, you're sustainer of all things. You are king and Lord. And God, we come to hear your word today. Would you speak to us, Lord? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys, we're going to jump in. It's kind of, I feel like that's a tough act to follow. You have all these beautiful little girls dancing, but we're going to press in. Um, so just as a quick recap of where we've been, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 John. So this is, this is taking us a lot longer than we thought. I think David and I, when we were initially planning this series, I think we had like five, five messages, and it's already been eight, and we're not even halfway through the book. So we're taking our time. Um, but over the last few weeks, we've been looking at how we are called to love our brothers. We're called to love. And as we walk in the love of God, we walk in the light as he is in the light. But we're, we are not to hate our brothers. If we hate our brothers, then we walk in the darkness. And then as we move into 1 John 2, 15, which says, do not love the world. We're not to love the world or the things of the world. And even as David came last week, John moves in, in 1 John 2, 18. He says, children, it's the last hour. I love how David said, if John thought it was the last hour, we're definitely in the last seconds now. <laughs> right? We're in the last seconds. But he says, it's the last hour. And you've heard the Antichrist is coming. There are many Antichrists in the world. David worked through that. But even as he came to verse 26, 226, I write these things to you that those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. And that anointing is the Holy Spirit. That as we put our faith in Jesus, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And the spirit of truth teaches us truth that we would not be deceived. And guys, how many of you know that as we move to the end of the age, deception is increasing. Oh, how we need the spirit of truth to keep us in truth. Amen? Now, if you would, we're going to be in, in a new section today. 228 through 33. And just to honor God's word, if you're able and willing, would you stand with me? We're just going to read God's word together. We're just standing up to honor his word. So 1 John 2, 28. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of God. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Thank you. You may be seated. So as we jump in today, we, we, verse 28, we're going to see, and now little children. We're going to see actually two uses of the word children in this passage. This is a, a, a phrase that John is using as a term of endearment for his audience. He says, now little children abide in him. You might remember as we started this series, we were talking about how John was calling us. that We, we are made to live in fellowship with God. If you would turn back with me to John, 1 John 1, 3. You see, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you so that, so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship 
is with the Father. And even as you move down in chapter 1, you see in verse 6 and 7, you see this call to fellowship, that we were made to live in fellowship with God. We were made to live connected with him. The word fellowship is koinonia. We were made to live where God shares his life with us, close and intimate with him. And so in, in 1 John, you see this call to fellowship in the first chapter. But you don't actually see the word fellowship for the rest of the book. You see the word abide. You see the word abide about 20 times. And so the call is that we would come into fellowship with God, but then that we would abide. The word abide, it literally means to remain. We would come into fellowship with God, but then we would remain in fellowship with God. That We would remain close to him. And even here, he's bringing that back up. Now, little children, remain in him. Remain close to him. Remain connected to him so that when he appears. How many guys know it's not if he appears? <laughs> it's when he appears. Surely Jesus is going to split the sky at the last trumpet. He's going to come on the clouds. He's going to go to Jerusalem and set up a kingdom. It, it's going to be glorious, but it's when, it's not if. So we want to abide in him so that when he splits the sky, we have confidence and we don't shrink back in him, at him, in shame at his coming. The best way I could think about this is when Karen and I, we got engaged. We got engaged here. We, we, we were, she's from British Columbia. I don't know if you know my bride. Her name's Karen. She's from British Columbia. I lived here. And when we got engaged, we didn't see each other for six months. So she flew out. And I, I, I came to British Columbia three days before we got married. Okay? So we didn't see each other for six months. It was a six-month gap. But how many of you guys know that we were on Skype a lot? This was back before iMessage and FaceTime and Zoom and all the good stuff, right? We were on Skype, which the, the, the video quality was pretty sketchy. But we were fellowshipping for six months. Even though we were at a distance, we were still fellowshipping and getting to know each other. I've just been pondering how weird it would have been if like, we wouldn't have talked for six months and I would have showed up. I would have appeared. <laughs> how weird would that have been, right? But because we fellowship, it was normal when I showed up. Guys, I believe this is exactly what he's saying, right? We're in fellowship with him. So when he shows up, it's not, there's no shame. We have confidence. We're waiting for him. We're those Hebrew 9 who are eagerly awaiting him. And 2 Timothy 4, those who love his appearing because we've been in fellowship with him, okay? We want to be those who walk connected. So when he shows up, we're ready for him. Amen. So we want to be those who fellowship with God. It gives us confidence in this coming. Verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So if you know that Jesus is righteous, even as Jeff was mentioning, that he's perfect, that he's sinless, that he only does what's right, then you can believe those who do what's right before him are born of him. Say born of him. This is the first mention of this phrase in the book of 1 John. You get it about seven times. You get it right here at the end of chapter 2, two times in chapter 3. And if you turn it over, you actually get it four times in chapter 5. But you get this idea of being born. Now, Karen and I, we have four kids. Those four kids were born of us, okay? The implication is if you are born of God, you are part of his family, right? You are his children. If you go into chapter 5, just go there with me real fast. We get the definitive statement about who is born of God. 1 John 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. You've been born of God. If you put your faith in the sacrifice of Jesus, then you've been born of him. Okay? Now let's move back over to chapter 3. 
So as, as we look at that, okay, as we, as we look at who has been born of God, he moves into chapter 3, verse 1. This is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible, but this is where we're really going to be kind of focusing in this morning. He says this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. First we see this command. The command is to see. Okay, the word see here, it means literally to look or to, even better yet, understand. Let us look and gaze and understand the kind of love. The, I love uh, NASB, New American Standard, actually says how great, how great. How great is describing the extent of God's love. Do you know how great God loves you? Do you know how, how, he doesn't just love you. He because in our day, we talk about love in a lot of differing degrees, right? I love pizza. I love my, this TV show. I love God, right? There's so many degrees. But God loves you greatly. He loves you deeply. How many of you guys know that this love of God is the motivation of his heart in all that he does? Think about John 3.16. For God so loved, he gave, right? If you go into Romans 5, but God, he demonstrates his own love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died because he loves us, right? Even if you go into John, 1 John 3, 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But over and over, you're going to see this as God's great love is the motivation of his heart. Go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, he's rich in mercy to cover our sins. But he's rich in mercy. I love this, because. Say because. He starts to explain. Why is he rich in mercy? Because of the great love with which he loved us. Guys, his mercy flows from his love for us. God loves you deeply. How many of you guys know that God has deep affection for you? You don't have to, you, you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't conjure up. God loves you. Go back to 1 John with me. And we see God's love primarily in the cross. You guys, you see this. I think Miss Marie put a, a crown on here for Easter. But the cross here, definitive statement of God's love for you. As we look at the cross, especially as Christians, guys, we should look at this and you know what we should hear in return? I love you. I love you. Do you, do you remember when uh, your spouse told you, I love you for the first time? <laughs> you this is God saying, I love you. Every time we look at this, we shouldn't just see forgiveness. We should see the love of God. This is the definitive statement of God's love for you. We see it in the cross, but in the context of 1 John 3, we see another revelation of God's love. And it's that the Father would call us his children. Isn't that awesome? Guys, listen, the cross, listen, the cross is not just forgiveness, even though it's the forgiveness of God. Listen, through the cross, we get forgiveness, but his love doesn't stop there. His love welcomes us into his family. 
Sometimes we walk through life trying to find a place to belong. Anybody else? Maybe it's a group of friends. Maybe it's an occupation. You're trying to find your place in life. Guys, listen. Maybe you're trying to find the place that you belong. Listen, God's saying, you belong with me. You belong in my family. Put your faith in Jesus, and I am open arms. Come into my family. I'll call you my own. I'll call you my child. I love this. I love, guys, think about the role that God, the God of heaven is called a father. The implications are tremendous, right? The role of a father, that he's, the, he's our protector now. He's the one who provides for us. He's the one who delights in us. He's the one who has our best interest at heart. He's the one who fights for us. He's our father. He's, he's the one who's strong, that we can lean into when we have a problem going on. He's our father. And he's given us his love. How many of you guys know that love is never earned? We live in a culture that's it's all about earning. It's all about what you can attain. You want a vacation home? Go earn it, <laughs> right? You, you want the best job? You want whatever you want? Go earn it. Guys, listen, you don't have to earn anything in Jesus. He has given his love to you freely. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it, but it's freely given to you. And so we see this love of God that's given, that's bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God, that we should be his children. But this is, this is one of my favorite parts of the verse. This is what he says. And so we are. <laughs> it's almost like he gives the, the theological statement. And it's like, hey, this isn't just theory. This is reality. Okay? The reality is we are his children. It, it doesn't matter what I do. Okay? The reality is I am Craig and Sharon Thompson's son. <laughs> I can't fight it. Right? I can pretend like I'm not. But the reality is, I am their son. Guys, listen, we can pretend and act like we're not God's children. But if you put your faith in Jesus, you are his child. You are his. He's coming after you. He's pursuing you. He wants to provide for you. You are his. He calls you his own. What a beautiful statement, right? And so we see this in him, that we are loved by God with a great love. And listen, this is foundational. As we walk with Jesus, this is foundational for us, okay? This is a foundational reality, as, especially even as we move forward in this book. Now, what you have to know is 1 John 3, 1, it's really the first mention of God's love for us in the book, okay? And as, where he's going in chapter 3 and chapter 4, it's going to get really heavy on this, on this um, issue of love. And right here, he's really turning. He's saying, listen, before we get to these other things with love, you have to know how loved you are. This is foundational. You have to know my love for you. You have to know my love for you. And David and I have even just been talking. When we talk about the vision of people's church, which is to love God and restore people. Guys, listen, do you know that for us to love God, first we have to receive his love. This is step number one. Before we can even turn and love God, we love him because he loved us first. First, we have to receive his love. Have you received God's love for you? I'm not talking about if you know it in your mind. Because knowing about a love and receiving love are two different things altogether. But he's calling us to receive his love. 
to receive his love. Guys, we're, we're going to talk more about it. We're going to keep working through the passage. But this is where we're going to circle back because this is the point today. God loves you. Receive his love. Listen, God's love should color the experience of our lives. It should affect the way you live. Not that we're going to feel it every day and it's going to be all gooey-gooey, but it should shape your experience. This is the benefit of being his. It would be so sad if my kids didn't experience my love. Wouldn't that be sad? They would be sad because I love them so much. I bestow my love on them. I want them to feel it. Guys, God wants you to feel and experience his love for you. And so as we move on in the passage, we see, so we are, this is the reality. But the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. We get this a few times in actually John's, like in, in the, the gospel of John. If you go back to John 16 with me real fast, just so you can see, this is kind of like a pattern. That the world doesn't know the Father. And because the world doesn't know the Father, doesn't know us, doesn't accept us. So John 16 Verse 3, and they will do these things. He's talking about killing you, actually. And he says, they will do these things because they have not known the Father. They have not known the Father nor me. But I said these things to you that when this hour comes, you may remember that I told them. He's like, listen, they're going to be doing these things that are sinful because they don't know me. If you go, actually, if you just in the same, probably on the same page almost. If you go to 17, so John 17, verse 25, this is a high priestly prayer. Jesus says, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you that you've sent me. But you see this language of the world doesn't know the Father. Okay? So even as we try to reflect him and live with him, no wonder they're going to reject us or come against us because they don't know him. So back to 1 John 3, verse 2, he says, Beloved, we are God's children now. I love this word, beloved. It's actually the first time it's used in the book of 1 John. It's going to be used another six times or so. But the word beloved, it means dearly loved. He starts to go after the identity. Listen, you are dearly loved. It's who you are. You are the beloved of God. He said, we are God's children now. It's who we are. This is reality. This isn't just a future something that's coming down the pipe later in the future. This is reality now. We are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Go to Philippians 3 with me real fast. This is the way I like to, see it, to, to say it in uh, plain language. Right now, we resemble our father. We, we, we show a little likeness to him. Okay? People can tell that he's our father. But in that day, when he comes and splits the sky, it's going to see where he's going to change our body. But we'll, he's actually going to take away our sins. Guys, listen, we're going to be a spitting image. <laughs> All right? We're going to be spitting it. We're going to look just like our father in that day. Okay? And when Jesus comes, he's going to make us look like him. But if you go to Philippians 3, let's just read this passage real fast. Philippians 3, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. We see in that day when he comes, he's going to transform us, and we're going to be a spitting image. We're going to look just like him. Isn't that awesome? 
We resemble now. We want, we want to do what he does now. We want to act right. But in that day, he's going to transform us. We're going to look just like him. And he says this, verse 3, And everyone who thus hopes in him, 1 John 3, 3, And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Now, one thing you might have seen in this passage is in verse 1 we get, So we are. So it gives the reality that we are the children of God now. So we are now the children of God. Okay? As you go into chapter or verse 2, you get, Beloved, we are God's children, and now what we will be. You get what we are children of God, what we will be, we will be transformed, we'll be a spitting image on that day. But how about right now and the in-between? He says, as we put our hope in his coming, it should affect the way we live. It should purify the way we live. It should clean our act up. <laughs> Anybody else today need to clean your act up a little bit? You had to tighten the screws, you had to change the way we live in, cut some things out, maybe what you're watching. But listen, our hope that he's coming should purify us and change the way we live. We clean our act up on behalf of our Father. We know our, we know our Father in heaven loves us. We know He's sending His Son to, get, to come for us. In light of that, we want to obey Him, right? We want to obey Him. I love this. I was reading a statement. It was, when you're an unbeliever and you, and you sin against God, it's an issue of law. You're breaking God's law, but when you have entered in, it's a matter of relationship, that you're sinning against your father. You're disobeying your father. It's not an issue of law anymore. It's an issue of relationship. How about you guys? I don't want to, to, to sin against my father. I don't want to, to disobey my father. Guys, this is an issue of relationship for us, that we would actually obey him. But this hope, it purifies us. It purifies us. Now, the whole point of today, if you hear nothing else, is God loves you. God loves you. And as I've been kind of just pondering it this week, this is the question, and it's been in my mind and my heart, is what are you wearing? Okay? Are you wearing the love of God, or are you wearing something else. I'm not talking about your, your, your blue shirt or your orange dress this morning, okay? When I talk about what are you wearing, I'm talking about what do you believe about yourself? Because what you believe about yourself is what you're wearing. Are you wearing rejection because you've, you've heard it from other people that, hey, we don't accept you. And you feel it from life. And so you begin to believe that you don't belong anywhere. Maybe you start to, to wear failure because you feel like you're not good enough. You've seen it in your job where you didn't meet the standard. And now you're going to start to wear that label. You're going to start to wear, I'm not good enough. And you start to put it on. And you start to wear it around. It starts to shape your life and your experience. And you put it on and it becomes part of who you are. What are you wearing today? What are you wearing? Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's guilt for something that you've done in the past. Are you wearing guilt and shame? What's labeling you? What are you wearing? Because how many of you guys know that sometimes we've received these things from life, from people around us. Maybe it was your mom and your dad who said something and gave you a wound, and it created this thing in you, and you're wearing it around even to this day. What are you wearing? Because no matter what's been given to us or handed down to us, God's given us something else. He's given us his love. 
He's given us his love. How many of you guys know that it's springtime? What happens in spring? Spring cleaning. <laughs> Anybody? I was actually doing a little bit of that on Saturday, trading out my, my warm weather stuff and my cold weather stuff. But sometimes we have to get rid of things that are in our closet. Don't fit anymore. We don't want them anymore. We don't like them anymore. Guys, sometimes we have to get rid of the old things that we've believed about ourselves. Actually, I'm just going to throw it down. Because I, I don't even want it in my closet. <laughs> and we have to put on the love of God. Put on. Are you wearing the love of God? Are you putting on his love for you? Do you believe it? I love Brennan Manning. He said this. He said, my deepest awareness of myself is that I'm deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I've done nothing to earn it or deserve it. His deepest awareness, it's what he believes about himself. Do you hear this? This is our identity. It's what we believe about ourselves. What do you believe about yourself? What are you wearing? Are you wearing the love of God? His deep affection for you. His deep affection because Every day when I get up, I have to make a decision. I generally have breakfast. I generally go get a shower. And then I come to my closet, and I have to choose what I'm going to wear. Y'all are all the same, unless you're just wearing your, your pajamas every day, all day. Okay, At some point, you have to make a decision for what you're wearing. And we want to be those who decide and intentionally put the love of God on, that it would clothe us, that we would wear, that it would shape us. This is God's heart for us, that we would know and feel his affection. I love 1 John 4, um, it's 16. It says, we have come to know and believe the love God has for us. Listen, it's one thing to know about his love. It's another to actually come to know and then believe his love. Do you believe that you're loved this morning? Do you believe that you are loved by God? Listen, he knows everything about you. And he still loves you. That's profound, isn't it? I think that's such a profound thing about marriage. Karen knows a lot about me and she still loves me. Whew, that's profound. She sees me every day, all day. You know, it's like, that's a profound thing. But God knows everything about you. And yet he still chooses to love you and lay down his life for you and come and pursue you and provide for you because you're his. What are you wearing this morning? Are you wearing his love. Are you wearing his love? One of the most trans, transforming periods of my life was when I encountered the love of God. And I moved from the place of insecurity and wearing failure to deciding to wear the love of God. And it radically changed my experience in life. The love of God will transform you. It'll shape you. Are you insecure this morning? Are you insecure this morning? Maybe it's because you don't know who you are. Maybe you're trying to find who you are. Listen, as we grow in the love of God, we grow from insecurity to security. Because we know who we are. It doesn't matter if, if my job doesn't go well. It doesn't matter if this person said something about me because I know I am loved. There's nothing you can do about it. I am loved. That's what I tell my girls all the time. I'll say, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do about it. I love you. Guys, listen, you are loved, and there's nothing you can do about it. 
But it's a decision that we have to make to believe God, to take him at his word. It's called faith. We have to believe him, to wake up day by day. Thank you, God. Thank you that you love me. Even just to declare it over yourselves on the way to school in the mornings, the girls and I, I take Selah and Mary to school, and we always pray, and then we say statements of truth over ourselves every morning. One of them lead it, or I lead it, but one we say every morning is, I am loved by God. Every morning, we say it on the way to school, I am loved by God. Listen, you, we need to hear that we're loved. He's already said it, we just need to remind ourselves. We need to remind ourselves. Romans 5 says this. It says, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Worship team, you can come. Today, my prayer is that God would pour his love into your heart again. That you would know the great affection of God. It's not theory. It's reality that God loves you with an everlasting love, a love that never ends. He's a God who is holy and he doesn't embrace sin. But he embraces sinners where they are. And he pursues us and embraces us and leads us. Today, my question for you is, what are you wearing? Are you wearing the love of God? Are you wearing something else? Is there something that you need to lay down? Maybe there's, there's something you need to throw away or clean out of your closet. You need to replace it with the love of God. Maybe you say, hey, I know about it, but I don't know if I've really come to believe it yet. But I'm coming to draw a line in the sand. I want to take God at his word today. I'm going to agree in my heart with what he's already said about me. Do that. Listen, guys, this is what we want here. We want God to pour out his love into our hearts. Whether you do that at your seat, whether you do that at the altar, if you want somebody to pray with you, we want to come around you. Because, listen, I know from seasons of life where failure defined me that those things can have a stronghold on you. Those things can choke you. Those things can grip you. And we need other people to come around us. Guys, we want to be a, a community that embraces one another where we are, that helps one another. But let's, be, let's receive the love of God this morning. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Do you, do you know that he loves you this morning? Do you know it? Do you believe it? God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Receive it today. Jesus, we just come. We open our hands. We open our hearts, God. We receive your love. Oh, God, even now, would you pour out your love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, God. Pour out your love again, Lord, that we would know and believe. But Oh, God, he would move to experience. We'd experience your love. Jesus, come come to us. Lord, would you come and show us maybe where, where we've worn something else, where we've worn another label, where we've been defined by something else. Lord, would you come and reveal it to us? Oh, God, that we would live embraced by your love. Help us, oh, God. Help us, oh, God. Do this work in us, we ask. 
In Jesus' name, amen.